Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's the weekly on Blue Room. And, um, well, if you've been sick of talking about new owners, 777, and all sorts of different other numbers, uh, the one thing I want to talk about first is we've still only got one point in the Premier League. Looks like we've got one, one, one in the Premier League for the first time, lads. I've got Warren and Dan with me now to um, to go through basically what firstly happened against Arsenal and a really dreadful performance, and then we'll go on and talk about what's going on with the other stuff in the club and potentially a new owner, uh, potentially the stadium might work, the new one we'll get. I don't know. Anyway, come to you first, Dan. Um, I mean, there's not there's there's not any positive to talk about really against against Arsenal, is there? And um, and I know all week actually the pair of you two been really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on what happened on uh, on Sunday because it was absolutely dreadful and very very concerning. The weird thing is, there's a bit of a. I mean, we know at the moment that Everton Twitter is divided, divisive, um, pretty grim. Uh, battle lines have been drawn. People were taking their sides. But I've listened to four different podcasts since the Arsenal game. Um, oh, I'm I... cheating on you. I'm <laughs> cheating on you. I'm playing the field, Dave. Um, <laughs> and I've listened to... One of them was the subs. And every single one of them is people on it I admire, respect, know, like, etc. And they've all said the same thing that it was disheartening, it was deflating, it was toothless, it was devoid of any real rudder or plan or desire or competent technical ability. And everybody said the same thing. And then you go on Twitter, and this is where I find, this is why I've withdrawn from Everton Twitter for a while, because I just, the engagement with certain aspects of Everton Twitter have worn me out. They've depressed me. They've made me feel anxious and worried. And, you know, I'm setting up a business at the moment and I've got a teenage son. I don't need any more shit, quite frankly. <laughs> so, But you look on the other aspect of Evan Twitter. So, so you've got all these people saying the same thing, which is we look like Burnley that got relegated two seasons ago, which isn't a surprise. We've built a team for him. 
we've got the wingers, we bypass the midfield, we've got a big lump up front. That's Burnley, right? Yeah. We also have loads of their old players. And one of his old mates is a grass. But the reality is, everybody saw the same thing that day. But then you go on another side of Everton Twitter, the kind of numbers, data, stats Twitter, and they're all kind of looking at the fans losing their heads going, well, can't they see what he's trying to do? I could see what he was trying to do. He's clearly trying to do this. There's clearly a plan. There's clearly this. He's clearly tried to do this for the team. He's clearly trying to do this. And there's this, and as much as I've tried to understand that side of it, and as much as I want to kind of go, okay, let me, let me, what is he? Is he trying to do this? Is he trying to do that? The more you watch him, and I know there's the XG thing, and I know if we'd had a striker and all the ifs, buts, maybes and missed it megs that you can continue to go on about, about the previous games. and But whenever I watch us play, and whenever I have watched us play under him, and let's be honest, the Brighton game was an anomaly, just like the Crystal Palace game was Lampard's anomaly. Yeah. Let's not pretend that was how we were going to play. Let's not kid ourselves that that was how Daesh wants us to play, right? Let's forget that, because that's rubbish. When you watch us play, whether it was trying to survive last season, and we went we went eight, seven, eight games without a win, by the way, under him. We scraped by, by the skin of our teeth. He's not the miracle worker people say he is. Believe me, a better coach gets us safe with a month to go there, and I really believe that. I genuinely believe that. When you watch how we play with him, all I ever see is one way or no way. Yeah. And he seems to have this thing where it's like, I know how I want us to play and there is one way of doing it. If that doesn't work, he is lost. And unfortunately, the way he wants to play takes some very technically gifted, young, exciting players and ignores them. Yeah, Because James Garner, regardless of the person who said he couldn't play in a Brighton team under Grandpa, and that's a load of crap as well, but... The reality is James Garner is a technically gifted footballer who can pick a pass, who has played at under 21 level under Lee Carsley, who trusted him implicitly, and he's being ignored. Amadou Anana is a good player. He is a number six. And in a better team, he will flourish. Believe me, he will. But he's being ignored. And we have a team that all it seems to do and all he seems to want us to do is ping it down the channels, bypass the midfield, go to one of his 57 left wingers that he, we've got now and lump it into a big fella. And once that doesn't work, we don't know what to do. And we don't pass the ball well enough. And that's coaching. We can say the players are crap all day long and maybe they are underperforming, but there's a goal going around on Twitter right now of a team in non-league stringing 37 passes together and scoring yeah, a goal. That, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's coaching, man. That is coaching. Yeah, That's not technically gifted footballers. Lewis Dunk, Solly March, Pascal Gross. Would you have, have any Everton fan have been screaming to sign them five years ago, four years no. ago? No. But they play to a style that has been laid, a foundation has been laid in the coaching philosophy of that football club Deserby is currently reaping the benefits of the foundations laid by Grandpa. He's the stardust. Deserby is the sprinkling. He is the hundreds and thousands. And he he is benefiting from this team that has been taught to play in a way and has, has, has taken very, very 
underwhelming footballers and taught them to play that way. And when we when you watch us, you really do question, is the only thing this man relies on fitness? Is that it? Is that all we rely on? Being the fitness. Even even with that though, Dan, even even with the fitness, I don't think that's that great either. Um one, get your thoughts on this there. There's a lot to be to, for us to go through with this. First thing I've seen a lot more and continue to see when we don't win, which has been sadly what five months now. But we're in a situation like this with many people saying, Well, it's time to get rid of him. And I think the first thing most people will think to that if they don't agree with someone who says that is it no, we can't because we just do that all the time and it never works. Um what some of the things Dan said there about this fitness thing that it, it seems to obsess over. Um you look at what happened at Burnley when he left, effectively relegates them or almost relegates them when he left it. And then when Vincent Company's gone in, they look fantastic when they play, by the way. And 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 the indictment of all this is I was watching Burnley away at uh, Forest and hoping that they didn't win or at least it was a draw. Um, and that's the stage we're at, what, five games in. What's your take on all this, mate? I've listened to Dan there, and there's a lot of things that Dan said that that I agree with. First of all, after the game Sunday, my immediate reaction was I was absolutely disgusted with Daesh. I was just, I was disgusted with them. There was no, there didn't seem to be any plan. That the plan that there seems to be is is effectively how Dan has described what he saw and what he feels Daesh as a manager is, and I I thought it was disgraceful. And I don't think he, I, I agree with Dan, that I don't think we do have, we, or we haven't at least developed it yet, a plan B. I was really looking forward to, I, I was listening to post-match, by the way, with yourselves on and on, on after the game on Sunday. And one thing that really stuck out for me, and I, forgive me, I can't remember who said it, but they said about the subs. The subs were like for like. When it wasn't working, the subs were just like for like changes. It wasn't anything, can we try this different? Can we maybe make Arteta question something now? Why have ever made that change? It it wasn't. It was just like for like. I was really looking forward to seeing Dom and Beto as a as a front pairing. Yeah. Because I thought at least that offers if we're playing, if we are going to play the way we are playing, it is going to offer us something having them two up front. And Dom to his credit, I know his record injury record's not been great, but to his credit, he's always performed really well against Arsenal. And until he went off in the game last season in Dice's first game when we won, they couldn't cope with him. They couldn't cope with Dom. And I just thought, give them something to think about by having them two up front. Beto looked at so isolated. I felt so sorry for him because I think we can get the best out of him when we get mm. support around him. And I thought Dom would have provided a great foil for that. And whether Dom's at that level of fitness yet where we, we can demand these things off him, who knows. But that was one of the the big things for me Sunday. Yes, the performance was dreadful, but how many times in the last seven years have we said the players didn't look like they wanted no fight, there's no, no desire. He's not the first manager. And if he was to leave tomorrow, he wouldn't be the last manager where we see a performance where there's no effort, no desire, nothing. So I don't necessarily blame everything like that on Dice because these players have shown in the past that they will, when the going gets tough, their mentality is shot to pieces. They're at a club that's in crisis. 
they will fall down and that there's nothing really, there's no substance there. And we've seen that many a time, so I can't fundamentally pinpoint that on Daesh. But would you change him? That I think that's the that's the bigger that's, question. That's what you're after. You lads, would would you get rid of him? Do, do you know what I think? I, I got interviewed last. Uh, sorry to big myself up. I got interviewed <laughs> by a journalist. I got, <laughs> I got interviewed by it was Ollie Kay actually for the Athletic. He he asked me and he said to me, "I oh, know, yeah." Oh mate, that's not even exclusive to me on the BBC. What's going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> Not Sorry, yeah, go on. Stuff. Go on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just let me pick up that name I've dropped off. Yeah, no. I, well, he asked me. He asked me a really good question. Actually, he said to me, "Do you think Daesh is the answer?" And this was quite early on. And I said, "You know, it." I said, "It was. It was a little bit of huff and puff when I said this because it, I didn't obviously mean it." But I said, "If he keeps us up, he's manager of the year because." We were in such dire straits when he first came in. I think we would. For me, we were dead and buried. But I, I also looked into that more and I said, how many other clubs do you know where a three-time European or Champions League winning manager, how many how many, how many, many clubs would have shown Dice as their manager 18 months later right. after you've had that manager? And then we got talking about, I, I linked it to other clubs and we referenced Brighton there and we said, and you know, Dan made a great point about Deserby and Potter. If you throw Deserby into the Everton team, if, if Deserby, if say we had the managerial swap now with Brighton, Deserby does not get with Everton what he's get got at Brighton. But does he the get better fundament- than Dice though? Because that that's the thing that many people have said when when someone says, "Oh, I don't want Sean Dice as manager." I don't think I. I the thing people have said is go go and get Graham Potter because he's he's out there and he's not he's not at a then, full club. But that and, that and is this, still would he get any better than Dice does again with these lot? And I'm not for one saying for one second saying Lampard is on the same level as as a Deserby or you know one of these like a Potter. I'm not saying that. But that's what we look for in Lampard. We looked for a change of style. We looked for something different from Benitez. We we in the early days of Lampard, we embraced that different style, that more freedom. When we went under Benitez, we felt the shackles were firmly on. What my point is is I I think Everton got to this deep dark, fundamentally cr- critical stage in our in our footballing period, footballing historical period now. It doesn't matter who manages us. There's no long-term, or if there is, it's certainly not happened yet. There's no long-term plan. There's no long-term, there's no identity to Everton. There's no, this is what it's going to be. And unfortunately, when you're in a relegation scrap year after year, you can't make them plans six, 12 months down the line. The beauty of what Brighton have got is if Deserby leaves tomorrow, They've probably already got their next. Oh, they know. They know. Yeah, they know the next. Sorry, the belt, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't change because that new manager, if Deserby leaves tomorrow, and Brentford are similar in my book as well, they will go in tomorrow. They will work exactly under what the culture of that football club is, and they will reap the rewards. We haven't got that, and we haven't had that for a long time. And we can go in, Dave, to it to a number of reasons. We could be here all night. We could probably make a special, a five-show special about the culture of Everton Football Club at the minute. It doesn't matter who's in charge. So to answer your question in a roundabout long-winded way, it doesn't really, to me, matter anymore. It could get to the point in six games and he still hasn't won and we get rid of him and we get potted in. And we might see a different style and we might see something. But until this football club is stable again, like it was 
under Moyes. My, my, I've got a big West Ham mate at work, and we were talking the other day about the interview Moyes. Have you seen the interview Moyes done recently yeah. with Richard Keyes, yeah. where he said he was yeah. basically ever manager. Brink, and yeah. Yeah. Ancelotti got sacked, and the next thing, Ancelotti's manager. At the time, I was dead against that. I was dead against Moyes coming back to Everton. And I yeah. look at it now, and I would kill for the David Moyes team now that's stable, that, yes, all right, has its deficiencies and has its, has its drawbacks. But I tell you what, that team that we had under Moyes, from what we are witnessing now as fans, God, that team was superb compared to what we're seeing now. But at least Moyes' team, for whatever the flaws he has, for whatever the criticisms Moyes got in his spell, particularly in the latter years, there was an identity. Yeah. There was a culture of the football club. There was, if we sell this player, we're going to bring this player in. If this happens tomorrow, this is what we do next. And since then, we've not had that. The scattergun approach to transfers, the now the financial peril that we're in. Dave, to me, it doesn't matter who's manager. Until we resolve the long-term issues, nothing's going to change. And we've just got to hope that whoever the manager is, whether it's Dice, whether it's Potter, Whoever it is, have got to get us to a point where we get 36, 37 points. Yeah. That's where we are at the minute. And that is a, a, a horrifying indictment of the state of Everton Football Club. Someone put on Twitter the other day, and I saw it, I don't know if you've seen this, is this your lowest feeling or lowest points as an Everton fan? We've had many lows before. Yeah. We've had many times where it's been worrying, where we've been angry, where we've been upset, where... The fan base has been fractured and we've been against each other, and it's a bit of a you know civil war between the fans. For me now, we almost have to hit that rock bottom to start again. And for me, we're very close to that. Very close. But that that rock bottom, and we'll get onto this in a bit. That rock bottom is well, effectively what you're saying is going down, isn't it? That that's as long yeah. as it gets is us getting relegated. Now you do get people saying this thing, I think you've just not to put words in your mouth, that is something that you say we have to go down to get back up. I can see why people say that theory because clubs have done that in the past. You look at Aston Villa, um, who are a really solid side right now. They look like they're battling for potentially the top four this season. They've been down um, in, in the doldrums then and come back up. And Leicester are flying now. Leicester look, Leicester look like they're flying now yeah, as well. Look like they're yeah, back up. Yeah. Before what's happened to Leeds, that happened too. I mean, they, they went to down to Motley one, didn't they, at the time? Yeah. The, the, the issue for me, and I think many other people, I mean, it, it's like a sliding doors type of moment, isn't it? If that happened, because we've seen people say that before, it'll be the best thing to happen if Everton went down. People would refer to it that way. Even back when under, under Howard's third session and even, even Moyes in his first couple of seasons, we were down there, relegation battles and things. Maybe you need to go down to come back up. The problem I have with that, and we'll find this out, won't we? Potentially, when when we have new owners coming in, did you could you possibly trust Everton to come back up? Because if you, if Dave, you take, sorry if you to take, go on, go on. sorry to interrupt, Dave, I don't subscribe to that theory either. A few people have said to me, you and non Everton fans, you almost need to go down really to reset, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Everton don't reset. Everton will be Sunderland if we go yeah. down. Yeah. Everton don't Everton, come up if they go back if they go down. Everton Everton no. don't bounce straight back up. Everton are effectively Sunderland's where and you mentioned Leeds, but remember it took Leeds sixteen years. That'll be us. Yeah. We won't be back for it. For, it won't be straight back. Straight back. 
the thing is, the championship, the championship now. Dice wouldn't get a job in the championship now, because the championship now is full of young, progressive, hungry managers that are doing. Yeah. Look at Preston. Look at Preston North End. Look at Ipswich Town. Yeah, really right? good, good, really good friend of mine, a Preston Ryan Lowe. You know, he's, and, he's 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 getting us. He's getting them up. It looks like that's how good he looks. Yeah. Yeah. Schumacher's having a bit of a tough time with Plymouth, but I mean, they stormed the they stormed League One with Ipswich. But Kieran McKenna at Ipswich, I'm there. I'm there on Tuesday night. I'm going to watch them versus Wolves in the cup. But Dyche wouldn't survive down there because no. that is a breeding ground for young, exciting managers. The likes of Warnock and Pulis and all these, all these, you know, these sort of these managers that dinosaurs, had, dinosaurs. Well, well, yeah, but it's like you know, people hate all the dinosaurs, isn't it? But especially a certain little group on Everton Twitter that get very upset when you call people dinosaurs. But, um, but look at that league now: teams that score loads of goals, teams that attack, teams that play exciting, dynamic football with young managers and young players. We've got players from our team that are going, yeah, I'll go down there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Tom Cannon's like, yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of that. You know, and you, there's no, with our team and the way we've structured, you, you talk about sliding doors moments, Dave. It's like, there was that moment when Carlo walked out and we know that Marcel Brands turned around to everyone and said, get grandpa. That's what he said. He said, get grandpa. And Mishiri went, no, I'm going for Rafa. Right? And... You look at that team that we had under Carlo and you look at Grandpa and what he's done and what he can do and the way he gets the best out of players and the way he improves players, the way he uses youth, the way he develops a a kind of a, a club model. We had we still had we had a informed Dom, we had Richie, we had James Rodriguez, we had players coming through the youth academy like Isaac Price and Jared Branthwaite and Nielsen, yeah. we had loads of good young players coming through. We had Alex Awobi. We had, you know what I mean? We had Luca Dean. We had, you know what I mean? It was like, actually, that's a really pretty decent. We had Ben Godfrey. And you're like, are you telling me that, that he couldn't have done a job there to make us now what we should be, which is a team with a model and a way of doing things? Because the way we've done things at the moment, we've gone out of our way to buy a team to support the way Daesh plays. That means that the entire director of football model, which is you create it all the way through the, the age groups, has just been set fire to. Because there's no way that Leighton Baines and da 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 are going to basically be playing midfield bypassing hoofball, are they? Right? So we've just... Dan, we've I'm, just... Dan I'm really... I'm really sorry to interrupt, mate. I really am. I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I would have loved Potter at the time. I actually thought myself at the time Potter would have been great. The, the point I'm making now is I'd actually feel sorry for Potter if he came in as Everton manager tomorrow because I don't think he would do as well with the players now as he would have with the team you've just referenced yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this, this, is, this is why I say, because Dave said about who who could come in and make this team better? Are we asking for Potter to come in and make this team better if we go down that route of relieving Dice of his duties? And the point I'm saying is, Everton have got to that stage now. We've lost that culture. We've lost that identity that yeah, you yeah, players yeah, you mentioned. So it doesn't matter who comes in for me. For me now, we've gone past that point of return. 
until we get fully stabilised again and how we do that, I don't know. But until mm. we fully stabilise again... When you say that, uh, what you say about there, about stabilise, mm. obviously it means a million words, effectively. What? How, how would you consider what stabilise means? As in Stab- able to spend money? Um, because, you know, you look... We'll get Again, we'll get into this bit in the second half of this. With you've mm. got... We've got potential owners who've signed up. Machiri goes. Say they come in and we're able to spend a few quid in January, which I don't think will be the case anyway, given the potential nonsense that can happen to us via punishment, via financial side of it. Everton sustaining themselves and putting themselves in a viable footing. That, that to me, sadly, feels, feels nigh on impossible. How, how do you do it? Because they come in and add all sorts of money. We're only allowed to spend, and, and obviously people, more people know this more than myself and you guys probably, but there are specific issues of us being able to actually spend even if we had it. Mm. So that, that's why I'm asking you what, what becomes what you've just said. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're, we're very limited. We've seen in the transfer window, we're very limited to what we can do. Matt, Matt Fluss made a great point on the post-match on, on uh, Sunday. He said there was a big Alex Iwobi shaped hole in that Everton team on yeah. Friday. Yeah. He's absolutely right because Iwobi would have played in that game. He might not have scored. He might not have created an assist. But the job and the role he had in that team would have meant that we'd have had some sort of outlet which we didn't have on Sunday. Now, to go back to your question about what is stability, we cannot keep the likes of Iwobi. We have to, at this moment in time, sell Alex Iwobi to balance, basically essentially balance the books. For me, Dave, stability now will be get your X, Y, and Z in, player-wise I'm talking about, that get us 36 to 40 points. Our saviour. The only way I can see Everton being effectively saved and to create this culture and identity that I keep referencing is if we are still a Premier League team by the time we move into that stadium, the new stadium. If we can get to that new stadium, then you can start thinking about revenue increase. Then you can start thinking about spending money. Then what I would do, and I'm no expert, this is just me as a fan talking how I see other football clubs have done it and how I think we should do it because the proof is in the pudding. It's worked for them. First of all, get your stable youth setup going. Yeah. Get you get you get your yeah. youth system working. Don't sell your best youth players to balance the books like we have done, regardless of whether they're good enough. Let them know there's a clear pathway. But one bright spark or one of the few bright sparks in the Everton team in this minute is Brantwaite. The reason why he's been successful is because he's gone on loan and we've come back to him. And fair enough, we're not in the position to be able to sign centre halves, but we've offered them by accident, possibly, a pathway into the first team. We should be doing that, not just with Brantwaite, with five other young players as well, saying to them, right, you go on loan, PSV, whoever, you come back, you're going to, that's your pathway into the first team. That, first of all, stops us spending ridiculous money on plastic players that just keep us where we are in this perpetual cycle of fighting relegation. Then from then, you build up, 
you build your way up. We do to a degree what Moyes did. You sign your one or two a season just to improve the squad. Not going out and buying four, five, six or seven, what Chelsea are doing, and it just disrupts everything. Moyes' best times in Everett manager when he added the, he added an Arteta. Then he brought in, you know, sorry, going back further than that, he brought in Kale mid-season, he added Arteta. Then he added Pienaar the next season. Then he brought in Fellaini. Then he, right, I need the striker. There's your cube. The, the irony with Andy that Johnson. one, just, just on your point there, the irony with that with, with Moyes was the one he spent the most money off at the time was James BT, who yeah. ironically ended up being one of his worst signings that he brought in. But it, oh, it mean, is doable, isn't it? Like you've just said, it's 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 doable. But look, we, I mean, Moyes had far more hits than misses, and I don't want I don't want this to be a Moyes revisionism show where you know yeah. where where I'm because I, I I was as big I was a bigger critic as Moyes in the final days than anyone. Um, but I just I say look at what he's doing at West Ham and I look at look at the way they've changed the ways West Ham in particular in the last few years and got a European trophy out of it. That's what I would do. But Dave, to answer your question. I, I don't know. It, yeah. it is an impossible task. I think we've just got to stumble, find, scrap, claw, bite our way to staying in this league yeah. and get to that new stadium. And then that could be the point where we go, right, reset. This is where we now turn Everton into a competitive Premier League team that are not going to go through this, this suffering every season. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. And as I say, mate, I'm no expert. I don't know. I'm just a fan who's looked at other teams do the business and want the same for Everton. Dan, just on the points that Warren was making there about finding some sort of sustainability with the club and, and how they can how they can secure that. I mean, there's no way of this not being a lot of hard work that they do uh, in, in a positive manner, in, in a way that they're able to actually do it. Because th- that, that line of... This relative success in terms of getting back to and even keel with everything else. That requires everybody to do it properly. And you haven't got someone who's fucked up like they have done in such recent years. Otherwise it just goes even further down the line, this doesn't it? Well, the thing is, if you think of how long it's taken us to get to here, seven years, um, under Mashiri and close to a billion quid. Whatever you know, whatever whatever figures you agree you agree to believe or not, um, if you think it's taken that long and that much money to get this bad, it's probably going to take us a very considerable amount. Of, <laughs> yeah. You know, what I mean, it's going to take us a considerable amount of time and a considerable amount of money to rectify the damage. And as Warren was saying, the, and and I do agree to a, to a point that. The mess is so bad now. It's so bad that a lot of us feel like we're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea because I get the we can't keep sacking managers. I get the kind of all this, all the stuff that, let's face it, as Everton fans, we are tired of saying. We are tired of saying, well, who would you get then? Or let's check, you know, And but we are now in a position where if he loses the next three or four, we're in a position where we've got the derby coming up. We're nearly 10 games in. And we are in serious, serious trouble. But stability at the moment is so completely and utterly, it's a fantasy because we don't even know who owns the football club. The board is interim and has been for months. The owner has gone. Our current owner couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. He's just trying to recoup and we've seen it. 
last six transfer windows. All he's been trying to do is get his money back. Sell that player, sell that player, sell that player, sell that player, spend as little as possible, get me my money back. You know, whether it was to plow back into the stadium or whatever it was, whatever he thought he was doing. But the reality is we're in a position right now of the ultimate footballing limbo. We have a team that aren't performing. We have a manager who probably doesn't know whether he's going to be here in three weeks or three days. We don't really know who's controlling the football club at the moment. And we haven't done for months and months and months. And even when we knew who was controlling the football club, they were a complete and utter shambles. The people that are supposedly going to come in are as mysterious as the day is long. <laughs> and they have they have five major share stakes in football. They have a minor, obviously, in Sevilla. But they have five major shareholdings in clubs all over the world. And currently, four of those five have at some point protested against them. Mm. So they have an 80% aggression rate, if you like. And we look at them and they talk a good game and but where's the money? And they t- we get told today by Sean Dush, he's met them. Coffee with them, um, he said, doesn't he? I've had a coffee with a couple of them. You know, I mean, how long did they get bored with him saying the word challenge and alignment? <laughs> and on the grass. I'm fitness, and, and I'm t- fitness. And on the grass. Um, but so we are currently, and it's it's no surprise as a fan base, we are seeing even the most positive, even the most forward thinking, even the most laissez-faire, joyful supporters being utterly ground down. Because if the results were okay on the pitch, the stuff behind it would be second thought. But because we have we have so we, you know, it's the it's the meme, isn't it? You know, we just would like a normal day, please, Evan. We just like a day where you're not in the news. We'd like a day where there hasn't been this happen or that, or some reporters told someone this, or Simon Jordan's opened his mouth again, or someone else has told someone else this, or Matt Law's now telling everybody we can't pay the bills, or what it we would just like one day where it's our striker scored two at the weekend. And it was lovely. And but we still lost we, three two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Alex Iwobi scored the winner. Um, yeah. But we just would like normality because at the moment we've been on a three-year roller coaster of, of this thing where it never feels like it's ending. This doesn't feel like a new season. This just feels like the same thing that we've been living for two years. And we now, just when you think it's going to come to an end, it starts again. And there is no there is no let up for the continual drama and the continual sort of ambiguity of where this club is going. Yeah, yeah. And stability right now, I mean, you know, they said it in their statement. They want to do this deal by the end of the financial quarter, which is December. So... We're still, even though they're there and they're talking to Sean Dyche and they're meeting Kevin Fellwell and they're having a hobnob and all that vibe, this might not get done till December. This might, we've got the regulatory stuff to happen. We've got our thing in October where they're either going to tell us we get a points deduction, a transfer ban, or they send a witch round to set fire to the place, <laughs> whatever that is. But so we've got all these things that are still unresolved. 
the ownership's unresolved. The board is, it might as well be a load of cardboard cutouts of Morgan Schneidlin. Yeah. And there is, that's why I had to sort of walk up. That's why I've had to sort of step away from the social media engagement yeah. with Twitter yeah. and Everton because it, it's every day and it's not just every day. It's every minute. And it's like, Oh, this bad things happened. Oh, that's bad things happened. Oh, this is a mess. Oh, that's a mess. Oh, this is this. And you just go, my God, I just want to watch football and see players I like. And I don't care if we batter people. I don't care if we win trophies. I really don't. But at this point, I don't care. I just want to see a football team play football in blue mm-hmm. and look like they care and score the odd goal and not have to worry about a investment banking group yeah. or a Iranian billionaire or a Russian oligarch. You know what I mean? I, it's so tiring. It's just it's so not, tiring. It's not Everton either, is it, Dan? That's the thing that we all sort of need no. to get used to. I mean, when, when he came in in 2016, and i to this quite a bit, he came in 2016 and... We we thought this is the change Everton need. This is what happened with Chelsea. Um, th- this is what's happening at Spurs. They're, they're taking that time now where it's time to invest in the team, whatever we like. And we all used to sit there say, oh, go and get him, go and get him, go and get him. And even when the ones that came in, like Michael Keane and Davy Class and they all, Schneiderlin, who you mentioned, they came in and were like, oh, it's great being able to sign these players. Lo and behold, we didn't have a clue what was going to come or what wasn't going to come when it refers to that. Um, just as, before we go ahead there, just like Warren there, I want to plug myself um, <laughs> just a little bit. I've done a piece this afternoon with James Corbett and it was it was fantastic and it was a real eye-opener to who we've got coming in to own this club. Um, there are a couple of positive things that you never thought you were going to get because everything we've seen so far has been purely negative, what we'd expect basically from any owner coming into the football club and the way it is and who Machiri had let us go to. Um, these guys, what you mentioned there, Dan, about the, the other clubs that they're involved with and, and protests and stuff like that, that's there. But the other stuff they do, um, commercial-wise, they own, uh, <laughs> they, they own an airplane, they own airplanes, they own uh, various different things. They, James was basically saying the reason why they came over to Everton, who were in a financial mess, is because we're still a hell, hell of a lot cheaper than doing everything in the USA. Uh, any any yeah. sort of franchise they want to get in the States would cost five times as much as what Billions, you get. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that yeah. that was essentially after after I asked him the question, what about what do they get from joining us who are in deep financial shit anyway, with you know, all sorts of relegation things come co- regulation things coming to our relegation as well, coming towards us um from the Premier League things none of us as fans can control. What do they get out of coming from us? Because we can't get loans off various different places that we've done in the past, and um, that we've cut out trying to get. You know, MSP have actually loaned us a hundred million quid. That's that's the company that wanted to buy us. They can't buy us anymore. They still give us a hundred million quid. So th- there's a lot of that, and and he's going to be joining us quite a lot in the next few weeks. But add that on, and it's it's quite sad and very morbid to talk about this. But you add that on to the shit show that we've got right now. Um, I I actually think many, many people who listen to us will say, yeah, but that's not that's not a surprise that I say this about our club. And I I, I can't see how we stay in the Premier League this season. Um based on 
what we've mentioned about Dice, then you know you try to solve that by getting rid of him and you get somebody else in. We spoke a bit about Graham Potter who you know earthed after shake for him to come in and actually get a tick out of what we've got and what he's done in his past. You can just it doesn't work. It doesn't seem logical for me to come in and try and get this team shaped up like he did what he did at Brighton. Um, unless we forget what happened with him at Chelsea as well. Um, by the way, would he want to? Would, would anyone yeah. you go for now? Would they actually want to come into us? I well, think he we'll... turned down. He turned down the job already, isn't he? He's turned down Leon, I think, in France. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's happy. He's happy I mean, to sit there and, and 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 let things just move out. See what happens. See what comes from him because he's, I mean, never, it, he's never going to be not offered jobs uh, when when other you know, you, you, doing that. Sorry, Dave. You know, you know, you mentioned Chelsea and Potter. I mean, he still had a thirty-eight percent win rate there. Yeah, and you look at Poch now. now. You know, you look at Poch now, right? And our fans would drag their gentlemen's agreements over broken glass for Poch, but he's not exactly pulling up trees with them. They're a basket case. They're about they're a FIFA twenty-four teenage wet dream team. They're just yeah. They've gone out and bought every player with eighty-nine points. You know, averages, yeah, and even he's struggling to get a tune out of them. So I get it. I, I you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to sort of sound like the Grandpa Appreciation Society. Um, um, I've got that tattooed on my back, um, <laughs> but, um, but um, along with my um, ever managers, Mount Rushmore. Um, yeah, that's so, Dice, is Dice going to be on it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> way, way down towards the arse crack. Um so you know, you kind of you know I think as you say, the issue is that it's just such a a mess. It's just such a mess. Well what what you were saying there, one about and I was thinking about this while we had the a cup of tea before we came back, um where you can go in a direction that that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but even that sounds like a miracle at the moment, doesn't it, for us to be able to go and do that? Um, I suppose the other direction I want to go in with what we're talking about, how does he get, how do we get something out of the squad that we've got? Now, mm. as, as as long as we're, we're talking here about an individual player, as we're saying, he's crappy, he's crappy, he's crap. The one, the one player that stood out for me and I thought he was head and shoulders above everybody else was... Jared Brantwaite against uh, Arsenal. I thought he was brilliant. Now that if that doesn't tell you the message of what's going on in in the rest of them, then I don't know what will. Uh, because you've got somebody like you said there. You've put him out on loan at a European club who are in who play European uh, competitions, and then he's come back to to a club. And this is where I really admire him and really think that he's not longed for us. By the way, I could see big big offers coming in for that lad. Probably possibly as early as January. But you you go and do that with somebody which is academy wise that actually looks effective. Uh, you mentioned it there about you need to keep players first and foremost. I think other people would suggest well if we've got decent players from the academy, they either come and play really well for us or you sell them for as much as you possibly can. He's gone in a different direction of his loaning him out, bringing him back in, and he looks like an absolute diamond. A lot of people saying he looks like John Stones. Um, to me, what what makes me feel really um, quite depressed towards looking at him is he's not going to stay at Everton long. 
because if ever mm. in a situation, there's there's no way it was agents, his family, anybody would say you stay at Everton because they do you're getting a full time match for them there. You're playing every week for Everton. He could he could easily go to a top four side and maybe doesn't start initially, but you could see him being consistently better than what he is for us, which is as as I've just said there, much better than anybody else that Everton have got. Mm. Um, you know he's got he's next to Tarkovsky. I think I think he's been rubbish as well. To be honest, you've got you've got fullbacks. You've got a thirty eight year old Ashley Young who doesn't know how to cross a ball, but nonetheless he gets to cross the ball when we're on a corner. What what do you look at from if you're starting an eleven right now and go to Brentford on Saturday? Mm. What do you look there and think? I oh, we could do something with that. That looks half decent because we certainly don't be going with the side and and the sort of formation that. Dice put up against Arsenal, even though it's a lesser side in inverted commas. We're still traveling away from home as well, keep in mind. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think, look, whether we like it or not, we are going to play a certain way under this manager. And it does it, it, it does have its it does have its advantages playing the way he plays now and again. And the one advantage we do have is that we've actually got quite a big squad in terms of height. Now I don't want us to I, I I'm a firm believer, by the way, in I think there's a difference between direct and long ball. I think there's a difference in a long ball and a long pass. Yeah. And and what I mean by that, and I just just a very brief Example, what I mean by that is if you look at the way City play, their midfielders coming very narrow when you've got the likes of Kyle Walker who will ping the ball 40 yards to. That's a long pass. A long ball is what we did for 90 minutes on Sunday every time we got it. Now, I'm not for one minute saying Man City have got the luxury of having a Kyle Walker who can probably run an Olympic pace on their wing. So, you know, that's that's a difference for me. Some of the best moments we've had, and yeah, I've been few and far between, but some of the best moments we've had under Dice is when we've played a direct style. And what I mean by that is getting it forward quickly into feet, into areas where we, the players can hold it up. And this is why I'd like to see a front two, and I think he's hinted at this today. I'd like to see a front two of Dom and Beto because if we can get it into their feet and play off them, and when we're in that final third, then we can do the little passes. Then we can do the little triangles. Then we can at least attempt something. Then we can at least attempt something where you maybe bring about a bit of confidence, throw a few crosses in, have a few shots from 20 yards out, build a bit of momentum at the away end at Brentford on Saturday, can get excited by it. It flicks off a Brentford defender, it goes for a corner. We might get a flick off someone's head, goes in the back of the net. These are all little gains that a dice team can, can get from the way he plays. And I think if we set up that way, we give ourselves in this league over another, how many games we've got left now? 33. We give ourselves a chance over a 33-game period. But we need to, that requires energy, that requires commitment, that requires, I think a lot gets made about our press, high press, press closing down. A lot gets made about that as if it's some Pep Guardiola 
you know, or or Jurgen Klopp. So that's always been a thing. That's always been a thing in football. You close people down quickly. You win the yeah. ball back, and you do what you can with it, and you stretch teams. And I I do it in school with the kids. I, I I'm very fortunate. So I've, I've, I'm being able to coach the girls teams at school at the minute, and it's brilliant. It's lovely to see. I'm going off on a bit of tangent here, but it's lovely to see the girls how much popular it's getting. And the one basic yeah. thing yeah. I teach them. I say to them, when we've got the ball, I want us wide. I want the full-backs wide. I want the wingers wide. And I want to get it to them quick. And when we haven't got the ball, I just want you to all tuck in. And I just want you to shuffle side to side. I'm not a UEFA B manager. I'm not a manager, coach, whatever you want to call it. I'm not that. These fellas in the Premier League have got all these badges and all this and all that. If I can apply the most basic, and look, it's a completely different level, I get that as well. But if I can apply the most basic, simple tactic that reaps a reward. I want to, I expect Everton to do the same in the basics. We should be able to do more because we're a Premier League team. Get your midfield tucked in when we haven't got the ball. Get your full-back tucked in. As soon as we get it, let's get it into feet quick. And then when we haven't got it, let's get into our shape. This is what Dice was supposedly framed for, getting us into a shape and making us difficult. What I've got a bit of sympathy for with them is we have been, for the best part, I'd say, of four years, five years now, absolutely dreadful in possession. We can't string five passes together. Yeah. The only time we did that was that anomaly at Brighton and the anomaly at Crystal Palace with Stanford to earlier under Lampard. I'd love these players to be told on Saturday, look, the world's against you. There's a crisis apparently at the club. Yeah. Yeah. When you get that ball, have a bit of confidence because you're expected to lose anyway, lads. So have a bit of confidence on it. Be brave on the ball. Drive forward, travel, make something happen. I'm with you both when you said about Anana. If Anana left, he would probably flourish at another club. I am desperate to see that fella in an Everton shirt take the game by the scruff of the neck and go, right, I'm one of the best young players in Europe. I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why I'm not going to be at this club in two years' time because I'm going to be at a, a Man City or a Real Madrid or a Bar- whoever, a, a, a Champions League club. I haven't seen him do that yet. And that's all I want to see from Everton this weekend. Play direct, play to up front, see what we can get off that. And I think if we're able to have a bit of confidence on the ball, we could could build a bit of momentum. I don't know, Dave. You know, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to do it. I just thought we were too Sunday. Going back to Sunday very briefly, we just gave them too much respect. And yes, yeah. they're a good side, but where, where's the Everton team that's going to roll the sleeves up and go, I don't care how good you are? Because let's face it, the fans feel that way. We feel that way every time someone comes to Goodison. We're like, I don't care who you are. We're, you're at Everton. You're playing Everton. Um, so that's that's the way I can see us maybe getting something out of it. But there's got to be some, there's got to be some will. There's got to be some want there. And yeah. unfortunately, Dave, too many times down the years, we've, we've had this same discussion about yeah. Everton players down and tools. So I've got a degree of sympathy with Dice for that. But it is now on him and the players to start being a bit braver, being yeah. a bit what can we do to get these fans on the side again? Um, well, you, you that's mentioned what I, there. Go on, mate, yeah. No, that's what I was just gonna end yeah. up that just saying that's what I hope to see yeah. on Saturday. There's something really funny and ironic that I'm going to tell you in a minute because you, you, you may have seen this on the television if you've got it around you in the last five minutes or so, but I'll tell you about it in a sec. The thing I want to finish with actually is what you hinted at, Warren, and, and that is about Onana. Um, I've, I've, I don't know, I've, I've gone from one direction to the other with this lad um, because I think he's got all the attributes 
he's the type of player that you sign for your football club for a lot of money like we did, 30 odd million quid. And you're thinking this he's the type of thing like like um Dan was mentioned then. It's like, you know, when your kids are playing FIFA or whatever and think, oh, he's world classed him. He's he's gonna rip everybody apart when he comes on. And he's got those those attributes to me. Um look at he's not long for Everton, same as what I said about uh Brantwaite, in my opinion. A lot of people saying, Oh yeah, we'll easily go and get double the amount of money for him. The other side of it for me is I'm frustrated, like you said, about him not taking games by the, the scruff of the neck, but also you talk about that word will, and I'm not sure he's got that. You know, there's there's a lot of things I've seen from him thinking where this is just pure hype that I've seen so far. And I don't know whether you agree with me. In fact, I'm, I'm suggesting that I think you probably both disagree to the extent I'm going with with this, but I don't see him in that midfield that we want, a tight, compact midfield. He should be the absolute general in all of that. He should be head and shoulders above everybody else with the ball. Sometimes I see it with him, and it happens against the last where he's, he's trying to do something that isn't there with the mm-hmm. ball, and I'm thinking, well, okay, you've come to Everton with the pedigree that you're going to be playing for the side that is playing in the Champions League, Europa League at worst, and you're going to flourish because of who you've got around you. And I don't like looking at a player that you need to be a leader in a way who can just say to them around, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you an example of what we need to do here, but you're going to have to come with me. Someone's going to have to come with me who's around me. You know, Don't think you're getting that from Adrissa Gay. The... I don't know. The core, I think, is he's a bit of an enigma at the moment. Um, because when we've put him as a ten, there's a you know, and and everyone's going to rave about that because of the goal against Bournemouth. That is going to be what a lot of people refer to automatically with the core because he's a goal scorer in inverted commas. What goes in there, and it probably circles back to the start of the show. What you said there, Dan James James Garner is absolutely wasted because he came on in to be played in midfield and almost immediately. Yeah, I don't know who it was who he walked up to. I think it was Dan Juman he walked up to. And he basically said to him, Am I a midfielder? And you could see him point his fingers to the right wing and you just seen the lad put his head down and run over to the right hand side. And I'm like, you know, we've signed him who's look at he's coming to us to flourish. You you speak to any uh Forest fan, by the way, and this lad, they absolutely adored him. Man United fans gutted that they let go of him. We actually did a bit of decent business and got him for 15 million quid. Um before I get your answer there, Dan, what's happened in the Europa League right now is Brighton, our best mates at Brighton, we've been banging on about Brighton. They are 1-0 down to AEK <laughs> Athens and the goal scorer is Gibral Sidibe. Now, if that isn't more Everton slapping you in the face, I'm not sure what is. Gibral Sidibe, <laughs> just remember back to one that. Got, one Sidibe? What? One sock Sadibi. What's uh, I'll go back to that fucking that, that video people have put out. It's your oh, man yeah. Stevie. What fucking move will you? All of yeah, that stuff. Yeah. I, I mean it's, that that is not an indictment of what is going on at this football club. I'm not sure what is. But um but back to Onana there, Dan, what you said initially about him. Um people are saying we could go and get 60, 80 million for this fella. Everton aren't getting that while he's playing the way he is. The thing is. It all depends where you want to kind of pitch this. People went mental when Beto scored against Doncaster, yeah. right? 
people poo-pooed Onana playing two games in the international break in his preferred position for a coach that understands the system and looking pretty decent. Against uh, Abbasian, he scored. He was was awesome, wasn't he? Yeah. So, for me, I look at him and I think the major issue is in the role that we're asking him to do, you have to have a manager that understands that three-man midfield better than our coach does because I don't think he does because I know everybody was doing the McMahon meme stuff when when it was Decore, Garner and Anana, but it never it's not balanced. It doesn't work. It do, it just doesn't work. Adjusagana Gay isn't a six, he's not an eight, he's not nothing. He's just a terrier that runs around who has a load of technical flaws and he'll run around all day, but he doesn't do much apart from that. Anana is a bit lost in that because Decore is being asked to be that connection between the front and the middle. Mm. But if you want him to be the player we all think he could be with the attributes he has, the strength, the dynamism, the stride, the ability to pick a pass, all the stuff he has, uniquely, unfortunately, not very good in the air. But if we want him to be that, unfortunately for us, we don't have the surrounding support that a player like that needs to flourish and command games and grab games. Because if you're meant to be that six that takes the ball off the back four, which is what he technically is probably, it's what he does in Tedesco's side for Belgium. He takes the ball off the back four and blah, blah. Now, in Bramford, we have that kind of defender, don't we? We have a beautifully two-footed, cultured defender. In Tarkovsky, we have more of a Jagielka brick wall kind of defender. But if your manager isn't necessarily a manager that wants you to do that, which Dyche definitely doesn't want Jared Bramford bringing the ball out and that connection, that that sort of dynamic relationship between him and Onana, that's never going to gel because the manager isn't going to foster that. And then when you have another two people in the midfield, that one of them is a sort of dynamic box-to-box player in Decore, and then you have a sort of running around headless chicken Ghana thing, the the kid is always going to look a bit lost and a bit, you know, he gets accused of hiding all the time. and you And that's probably because he doesn't really know what, is going on. And then you talk about James Garner and unfortunately for him, all his attributes that he has don't seem to be anything that our manager currently desires because he's not a physically dynamic footballer. He's not a massive unit. He's not going to physically dominate people. And Dyche likes that. Dyche likes players that physically dominate space and physically dominate other players. He's not going to do that. He's also not going to be sort of box to box, up and down, up and down, up and down, clattering into tackles, winning the ball back and stuff. He's more he's more of a sort of old-fashioned eight. He's more of a sort of get the ball off the six, turn round, pick a pass, score a goal, ping a free kick. He's more of a he's more of a sort of a almost like a throwback artery kind of thing, but without that little bit of niggle that Arteta had where he liked to jump in every now and again. I'm not saying he's anywhere near Arteta, but the reality is that's the sort of thing that we want him doing, really. We want him showing that passing range and that vision and that kind of that education he's had at Man United yeah. and the education he had at Forest, where they absolutely adored him and he was involved in so many of their goals that got him up and they wanted to keep him, didn't they? You know what I mean? They were yeah. desperate to keep him. 
But I think the midfield is such a massive on paper, you look at it, even when Awobi was there and stuff, and you look at it, you go, that's not terrible. That's not awful, is it? It's actually quite dynamic and there's lots of it's character better than in the relegation there. fight in Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, whenever you watch that midfield, it's either being bypassed outside, as Warren was saying, down the wings and getting it forward, you know, quick, or it doesn't really know what to do within itself. It, yeah, it yeah. looks they stand on top of each other, but yet can't pass it to each other. There's no lead. You think you're saying about that, mate? It actually it makes Dice look even worse, doesn't it? The fact that that's not being sorted out with players who've got the ability to be able to do so. If there is, I just think there's more there. There's more in that midfield than we get. There's yeah. more. There's there's a lot more technical ability there. Especially if you put Garner into it, and I know a lot of people are very reticent at putting Garner in because I think people believe that I'm not. I'm not at all. I'm not reticent to put him in there. Yeah, I mean, but you do you do hear people saying, "Oh, you know, you know the way Everton fans big him up, and the way Everton fans uh, mm. you think he was it." He's his unfortunate problem he has at the moment is he he won the European Under Twenty Ones playing at right back, mm. and and he had a great game against Bournemouth on the right hand side as well. Yeah, and he was great mm. because. And I don't want him to be one of these players that we lose due to versatility and who then finds that the position he wants to play in isn't available to him and we lose him as a talent. Because I think he has shown signs of being a really classy player. And I think if we ignore that for pure physicality, it's going to be a real shame because I think he can offer something. I just don't know how he offers something to a Sean Dyche team. Yeah. Because I just think Sean Dyche looks like it's going to be very wing based, very down the channel based. It's formulaic, isn't it? Very formulaic. And, and I just worry that he just doesn't he doesn't fit he fits the Lampard model completely. Because you can see that Lampard because Lampard wanted Gilmore as well, didn't he? And um, yeah. Bellwell was looking at Gilmore as well as yeah. you know. And we looked at we looked at Gibbs White and we looked at players like that. These sort of all action kind of, but very skillful, very tactically astute footballers. So he fits that that vision of Everton that didn't work. <laughs> and now he's sort of now he's at limbo a vision of Everton which doesn't really involve him either. Yeah, and. And I think it's a real shame because I, I, I watched all the under twenty ones and I thought I think I think Carlson is amazing. I think Carlson's got a real. I don't want him to sort of go anywhere else because I'd quite likely Carlson. You know he's going to favorite. though with with the trajectory yeah. he's on. He's definitely going to. Um, any couple of minutes left, one um, final word from you, mate. Well, I just want to. I, I think Sam makes a very good point in regards to Garner about he can be that link for me. I, I, I hate using this phrase in a football sense because I think it's a bit cliche and a bit cringy, but I'm going to use it anyway. He could almost be like that quarterback where you give the ball to him from defence and he can pick a pass or little five-yard pass here and there and get us up the pitch that way. No, do you I think that's one like... of the things that goes against him is his passing game? Because that's what wrecked my head with him for a long, long time. Garner? Yeah, his passing. But that's what we lack, Dave. That's what we sorely lack as someone who's got the ability to pass at yeah. the minute, 10 yards. I'd love to see him 
we talk about Branthwaite. I'd love to see him in that little pocket, getting the ball off Branthwaite. Yeah. yeah, almost. Different player, but almost just a bit of a bit deep lying, a bit just sitting in there. Because I think he's got a tackle in him as well, Garnet. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think he can do that job. I'm not, not saying he's a defensive, you know, combatant midfielder. I think that's but what he's he been slaughtered as so many times, though. But he's not, he's not. And I, but he can sit in that deep lying role and receive a pass off of Brandweight, whoever, one of the fullbacks, turn on the half turn and then pass it. And that's where you could maybe get to Corey and Anana burst them forward a little bit more and drive them forward. So I, I, for me, I'd love to see him on that. And just to go back to Anana very quickly, I completely agree with that. If we give him the tools and play, the, give give him what suits him best, we would have seen a better Anana. The only thing I'd say against that, and this is where the, this is where I want him. We use that phrase again by the scruff of the neck. Go back to two thousand and nine. We have, an, we have a striker crisis at Everton, as you all know. Yakuba gets injured. Yeah. Uh, we, we, Sahar got injured. We had no strikers, and we're all going, oh, what's Everton going to do? We're all, we're all shaking our heads because we can't sign anyone until January. We put Kale and Fellaini up there. Kale decides, right, I'm not a striker, but you know what? I'm going to, like, to the point where it was almost like he's a better striker than a midfielder than him. He he took that position and went. I am going to show everyone that I can play here and do a good job, and that's that's what I want an honour to do more. Agreed with Dan one hundred percent. He hasn't been given or hasn't been allowed to play a role that suits his ability best. But if I'm him and I want to play in the I want to play in the Champions League. I'm thinking, right, I've got to do something about this because that's what all the best players do. All the best players shine even when they're out of position. They don't always play as effective, granted, and that, I think that's what he's suffering from at the moment. He's not as effective because we're not giving him the tools to succeed. But I want to see him with that little bit of the kale edge about him where he goes, right, well, this isn't working for me, but I'm going to make it work. And I just haven't seen enough of that from him for me. But yeah, the midfield is an enigma to finish off on that. I just think going forward now, what we need to do is we need to we need to stumble. I mentioned it earlier. We need to stumble across some sort of formula now that will help us get points and win games. I do believe we have got the quality to win games. I do believe we have got the players there, and I do believe that there are worse teams than us when we're on it in this league. That and that's what we're going to rely on. Have to rely on this year that there's three worst teams and those rather than us being better than four, five, six teams. We're going to have to rely on teams being worse than us. Matt Jones always says, I'm a positive Evertonian on this podcast. I'm going to finish with a positive. If we can stumble across that formula of a decent, cohesive midfield, get the likes of Jack Harrison in, who we yet to see yet, you know, at, at this moment in time, get Dwight McNeil fully fit, who was very effective in the second half of last season, get Tom into a position where he can play more along, maybe alongside better, or get better settled into the team. We'll win games. We'll get points on the board. It just feels very low at the minute, and rightly so. But we we have got the ability there to get points. So I'll leave you with that as a positive, Dave. With one minute left on the Zoom call, and you come up <laughs> Didn't you know the funny thing about that is I, I hope people have stayed listening to us to this point so they can hear your positive war cry. Right <laughs> and it was like it was like Phil uh, Phil Neville that wasn't it? Phil Neville war cry. Right? We were looking at back in the day, maybe. Anyway, lads, thanks so much. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um. Brentford to come, post-match to come. 
And to make everyone feel a little bit better, there's a mailbag tomorrow as well with Les. See if you can get us on a laugh and a smile. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks to Warren. Thanks to Dan. And we'll speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.